So welcome. Uh, this is the doctor is in number nine. And today I have special guest Rhonda in Germany, and uh, we'll be discussing prostitution in Germany and uh, a little bit about her organization's efforts to help women exit prostitution. And we'll also talk about uh, COVID-19, the pandemic restrictions and how uh, those issues have affected uh, the women and about the work that Rhonda's organization is doing. So I'm very glad for those of you who are joining live. Uh, we'll have a brief talk here and then we'll open it up for your uh, questions and comments. Um, as always, you're free to uh, post comments or questions in the chat box or stay on uh, later and uh, show your face. Um, this part is being recorded, but the question uh, and answer discussion portion is, is not recorded. So that's for your uh, safety and uh, privacy security. So we'll, uh, we'll get started. And uh, so welcome Rhonda. And I really appreciate you uh, joining me today, taking time out of your busy schedule, especially at the end of the year, um, there's lots to do. So I'd like to, um, uh, we'll just uh, have this little interview uh, session. And then, so I wanna tell you, I wanna ask you first, you know, for those people who um, may not understand anything about uh, this topic is that your organization is helping women exit prostitution. And, um, and we, we know that's not necessarily the same thing as human trafficking. Um, their prostitution and trafficking are linked, but not always the same thing. But, you know, why, why do these, why can't the women just leave? And, and what are some of the issues that's, um, you know, why are they needing your help in the first place? That's a great question. Um, well, I mean, we have had trafficked women in our exit program. And of course, it's, it's natural to know what it, why they need to exit, why they need help. But women who are, we consider them forced into prostitution, but not necessarily trafficked, like you said, but they come from very poor countries or they've been coerced or they have the lover boy method who have brought them into prostitution. And most of the women that we deal with are Eastern European. So they're allowed to come to Germany and to work, but because they don't have the language usually, um, many have a very low education level. Um, and I mean, they, they, they need help exiting. The bureaucratic process in Germany is horrendous as you have heard, and it's true what you've heard. And so without a social worker and without an organization helping them with all of the paperwork and the whole exiting process, um, yeah, there's just no way that they could do it on their own. Yeah, yeah. so sounds like a lot of work and this um, is, yeah, very much needing uh, people to, um, who know the system and uh, you need patient, patient social workers. That's, that's very true. And so, um, yeah, lots of patients. And so um, what, you know, what is the situation of the women in Germany? I mean, prostitution is legal. Um, and so why is, you know, if it's legal, um, isn't it just great to work in prostitution there? I mean, aren't there protective laws or, you know, aren't they, don't they fall under, you know, the work laws that, you know, are pretty generous um, for 
especially people who come from within the EU. Um, mm -hmm. And so if prostitution is legal, then, you know, aren't there benefits? Yes. I mean, for the German women, it's much easier for them to navigate um, being a sex worker in Germany. But for Eastern Europeans, yeah, it's not so easy because there is a law that they have to be registered as, as sex workers in Germany. Many times they don't know where to go or what to do to, to the, and they don't want to be stigmatized. It, it's on their record and it will be there forever. And yeah, it's legal, but there is a stigma still. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and most of them, they have no apartment, they have no social security number, no bank accounts. And yeah, if, if they are caught without being registered here in Germany, then they face a fine or they have to go back to their home country. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's really rough. Um, and so how is the, the COVID-19 and how has the pandemic and the lockdown restrictions uh, affected the women and then also um, impacted the work that you're doing? Um, well, as far as our organization, I mean, with the lockdowns, we have been pushed into working from home and using Zoom a lot, but we, we have adapted. Um, we have special permission because we are a social organization to travel. We have travel exceptions. So our social workers are able to still meet our clients. Um, one of the negatives that has happened with the COVID-19 that our social workers are coming up against is that many of the social service agencies, the governmental agencies are not informed that these women can actually apply for social help during COVID. And so there are times when they are denied social help and our social workers then have to even copy and send um, the law to the government agencies because they're so overwhelmed. You can just imagine yeah. how overwhelming it is for them. But some of the needs that we're seeing with the women is safe housing. Um, most of them uh, that were in the brothels because the brothels had to close were pushed out and they have no place to live. So they're just living in um, hallways and um, entranceways to apartment buildings or in cars. Um, yeah, so one of our things that we've been helping them with is to find safe housing, which hasn't been easy because a lot of the, the um, emergency housing even has, has been closed because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing more violence um, the women have no money, but there are social organizations like ours um, on the streets of Berlin who are actually, and you're a part of one of those, Catherine, who weekly give the women coffee and tea and cosmetics and food to eat. And many of them are going to soup kitchens and different places to, to, to eat, but they have no money to send home to their families and they have no money to survive and they can face um, fines if they are caught prostituting because it is illegal now during this COVID time. Um, yeah, we, we of, yeah, I'm sorry. We're able no, to I was just gonna say, you know, with the, with the fines, I mean, and of course, how many times are the Johns getting fined? It's usually coming down on the women. Yes, Yeah. although um, they have just changed that where the Johns will also be fined. 
So that's, I mean, that's a huge thing for Germany for that yeah. to happen. So that, that's really, that's really good news for us that it's just not the women who are suffering the consequences of yeah. this. Yeah. But yeah. We've been helping them with transportation tickets so that they don't get fined and get more debt from their, um, from riding the S-Bahn and the U-Bahn. Um, applications for social services for help with money and also we're helping them to find other jobs during this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I imagine that you also, it's, it's, it's not just sort of case management, just plugging in, there's a lot of, you know, psychosocial management, um, you know, sort of, kind of counseling and psychoeducation and all kinds of issues where the women are, you know, really needing to find a new way, a new way to go about life um, in a new country, but also in a new way of life too. Isn't that true? Um, true. Because of, uh, you know, I'm familiar with a lot of the histories of these women that, you know, if they've been suffering from abuse um, or uh, uh, domestic violence or uh, abuse as a child from their home country. And uh, a lot of the histories, uh, statistically speaking, um, a lot of women in prostitution around the world are, you know, have histories of abuse. And so they're having to deal with that combined with the current uh, abuse and then the current uh, difficulties with COVID uh, and then, having to do that so yeah and with the with the um, increase in violence some of the women are becoming more brave once they connect with one of our social workers a social worker goes with them to the police to report and to submit the documents and whatever it is that the police needs to to get restraining orders or to bring charges against the um yeah the the pimps that are pimping them or the boyfriends that are forcing them to prostitute yeah and the violence against them yeah, yeah. well that's that's a fantastic um you know that's a that's really one of the most important forms of advocacy um that you can offer is just to be with them and saying no you can do this i'll be right here with you and be that physical presence um so i mean are you seeing I mean, regarding, is there, have you seen that sort of trends in, in Germany in general or, or what is this, this COVID-19 lockdown, you know, the restrictions and then the plight of these women that, oh, well, actually the women, even though prostitution is legal, they've been kind of tossed out on the street, you know, from the brothels that are shut down. And, and so have you, have you seen other trends in Germany about, you know, changing the laws or adapting laws or um, in order to better protect the women or other, or not just women, but of course, perhaps others who are prostituted as well. Yeah. Um, during the summer, um, prostitution did become legal again. It opened up with restrictions, which, I mean, they, I, they're just ridiculous that they must have a condom they can only have certain positions and i'm like are the police going to be there watching yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy some of the laws that they're coming up with these restrictions but um yeah and it's crazy too that of course during this covid time businesses 
restaurants are closing down um, and the government is subsidizing them. But because prostitution is legal, the brothels are also getting the um, money from the government subsidy. Yeah. And it, it's just crazy that, yeah. that they, and they get up to 75% of the income of profit they made in November, 2019. So it's not just a small amount of income, yeah. but yeah. they are. As far as um, a trend that's happening in Germany, well, I mean, it's a hot topic right now. Um, the government is debating on the prostitution laws in Germany. And of course, there's a, a powerful um, pro-prostitution lobby. Um, and then there are organizations that are also against prostitution. The feminist movement in Germany is against prostitution. So there's a lot of talk going on right now. Many of them are mentioning the Nordic model. They really want the Nordic model, which penalizes the sex buyer. Um, you, I mean, there are many countries in Europe who, who have already adapted this. I personally don't see that model being transferred from the, from the Nordic model into Germany. I think that Germany has to come up with its own model, yeah. but they have to do something. I mean, to give you an example of, of just the crazy things that they're thinking of, the main street prostitution area in Berlin um, have recently, they built these swanky, nice apartment buildings in that area. Of course, the residents are complaining. They want the, the um, prostitutes out and the riffraff and the drug abuse and stuff that goes on there. Um, so they're thinking, okay, they don't like the condoms everywhere. It's dirty. So what did they come up with? They come up with this bio, the organic toilets, which um, which are made <laughs> which are made of wood, an organic material, and they're toilets. But they're also there for the women to take the the buyers, the sex buyers, in their clients, and that's where where they do their business. So the same place that people are going to the bathroom is the same place that these women are giving services to their clients instead of in the parks or in alleyways, um, yeah, around in that area. Those toilets cost taxpayers, German taxpayers, 6,000 euros per month to maintain, to buy, to maintain, to clean. I mean, can you imagine what they could do with that money yeah. to provide exit services, to provide social services, to provide more counseling centers, to, to provide a, a special health service for these women? But yeah, so yeah, they're coming up with some crazy ideas, but at least they're debating yeah. the issue now. And that's, I see that as a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a positive thing. I think that because of when they saw that the brothels were closing and the brothel owners were getting the money, but because as you said before, the women, when they're not registered and when they don't have the proper papers, that they're actually not entitled to get the Kurzarbeit, the, you know, the, um, so the assistance for being shut down or anything like that, or for being out of work. And so that's really the problem. And so, yeah, and these, 
these uh the social distancing rules for uh sex work is <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous it's like these people just don't under the people making laws don't understand um, the situation at all well, yeah it's pretty ridiculous Catherine, it's really big money too it is big money it is really big money and so whether they understand or not it's like they maybe they don't care yeah, but yeah that's i think um yeah, the, that Nordic model and those issues, that really warrants a whole nother talk, I think. And maybe um, maybe we'll do that one in the future. Um, because I want to ask you, I want to go on to a couple other um, questions. And so what are, what are some of the um, more common physical or mental health problems that you're that you and your team are seeing in the women without going into too much detail, but you know, what's, what are some of the variety of, of things that you see that, that are common? Um, well, the women of course suffer a lot of physical problems um, that are trauma-based. That, I mean, stomach problems, headaches, um, yeah, just all kinds of physical problems. Then, of course, you have the STDs and the effect that that's had on their body. Um, mental health problems, fear, lots of fear, paranoia. Um, we've had women who have severe mental health problems because of torture and the trauma that they have suffered. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a really sad situation, and it takes them... It just takes them a long time to to come to the place where they even realize that they need um, they need assistance with that that they need counseling. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough topic for them. And like yeah. you said, many of them come from homes and they've suffered abuse for their whole lives and suffered trauma for their whole lives. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something that I found. And I just thank you for highlighting that is that the physical problems aren't just physical and that everything is mixed up together and that the mental health impacts their bodies and their bodies then impact the mental and, you know, to really impact that for healing. I mean, yeah, you can get some medicine and you can treat some symptoms, but to actually heal is going to require a much more holistic um, approach. And so it's great that you have, um, you know, when you have a team of social workers that are really getting all of those dimensions um, and that it's not just, oh, just go to the doctor and the doctor will get you fine, you know, work on you. We find, we find too that most of the women that we see have a horrible fear of doctors and hospitals. Mm -hmm. And of the police, of course, too. But as far as their health care, it's, it's just been really tough for us to get them to even go to the doctor. They don't show up for their appointments. So the best way that we have found is our social worker meets them and goes with them to mm -hmm. their doctor's appointments, to the hospital. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's a lot of work. Uh, and so I am, um, so uh, final question or two. So what, some words of wisdom um, for those who are interested and want to get involved or, or how could they best help support the work that you do? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, first of all, I would say to be informed. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, this webinar that you do, um, the internet, 
film, Facebook, Instagram, news articles, they're all there. The information is there and we have to really inform ourselves about the topic. Um, research in the area where you live for organizations that already exist. What are the laws? Um, what are the social services? What are the, the, the most dire needs that these organizations have? Um, sometimes it's mentoring, sometimes it's providing for physical needs, um, sometimes and all the time, or um, NGOs need um, funds to, yeah. to support them. Yeah. But what area, ask yourself, what area could I lend my expertise? What am I really good in? And when you do pick an organization to support, do your due process. Because there's organizations out there that really um, don't have good practices, uh, which is a shame, but they are out there. So do your due process, ask a lot of questions, find out if they, what their approach is. Is it trauma-informed care? Are they sensitive with the women? Um, yeah, ask those questions. I would also say be realistic about your capacity because many times we're struck with this compassion. Oh, I've got to help. And so we jump into it and then we're like, oh, wait, I don't have enough time or yeah, I just shouldn't have made um, that commitment to that donation. So be realistic about what your capacity is um, and open your eyes to see girls in your neighborhood, in your family, in your church, in your civic centers, wherever you see girls that are in vulnerable family situations because they will be the ones who will be targeted and, um, and end up being trafficked or in prostitution. And take a little bit of time to get to know them and to mentor them and, and be a safe person for them. Yeah, I like how you ended on prevention. Because that is something that without a doubt, every single person can be involved in is because yeah. it, because we all have those people. We have those girls, teenagers. We have single moms um, who are raising uh, kids. Yeah. And um, the most important thing we can do is to help support those people, to reduce vulnerabilities to people being trafficked and exploited in the first place. And so... I really like how you ended with that. Um, is there anything that you'd like to uh, plug in um, or add to anything else? Um, have I forgotten anything, any important um, item that you'd like to uh, save for? Um... Um, a couple of things. I, I would say that it, to let you know that it's a long process. Like yeah. any recovery process, um, the women will come and then they'll disappear. I mean, they'll yeah. be with us for three months and then they disappear and we hear nothing from them for a month. Um, yeah. And you just have to be patient and welcome them back when they're ready to come back. And the averages, they come and go three to five times before they really say, okay, I'm ready to do this. But it takes a long time and a lot of courage for them to do it. These are very courageous women. Yeah. Um, as far as our organization, we started with a safe house and, of course, an office with social workers and a place where we were teaching, um, yeah, just basic life skills classes, um, trauma-informed classes, um, 
letting them know what trauma does to their brains and their bodies, um, and then helping them to find doctors and other places to, to, to really care for them. So we had a safe house, but what we found is um, most of the women in Germany in prostitution, in forced prostitution are Eastern European. And we were, we were getting African and trafficked African women and German women. We were getting no Eastern European women or just a few that we did have, they would stay a few weeks or a month and then they would leave. And what we found is that they just didn't like the restrictive atmosphere of a safe house. And that is true, that's a trend in Germany and in Europe where many safe houses just have a few residents um, or none at all because mm -hmm. they just don't want that. They just don't want that restriction. And so we, in the last year, have been doing more community-based care where the women, most of them are still in prostitution, but their desire is to exit. And so we meet them where they are. We go into the city, meet them in the city. The social workers um, accompany them to their appointments or whatever help that they need. We find out what their wishes and desires and goals are. We help them to understand what resources they have um, to accomplish those goals, help them strengthen those resources, and then we, we tell them what we can offer and how we'll walk with them through that process. So that's what we're doing right now is more community-based care. It's interesting, it's adventurous, it's heartbreaking sometimes, yeah. but, um, but we see that, that the women want to exit on their own terms. Yeah. And yeah. they just want someone there to, to walk with them through it. And that's, that's who we are. Yep. And that's, I mean, I think that's uh, one of the most important messages that you, um, that you speak to them is not just doing it for them, but doing it with them. Yes. And you do it on their terms, but with them. Yes. And uh, that's true empowerment. Yeah. That's true empowerment. That's what we find. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the important work that you do. Um, it's hard. Uh, sometimes it's hard to see that uh, on the day-to-day -day grind of it all, especially when women have gone missing, like you said, and not contacting, but yes. yeah, just staying faithful and, and uh, they know you're there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they know that you're there. And all I right. want to you too, Catherine, because you have been an amazing resource for us for, gosh, how many years now? Three years, four years? No, five Five, oh my gosh, five years. Yeah, <laughs> you have mentored our staff, you've yeah. trained the staff, you've, you've really um, taught the women in our program about trauma and what it does to their brains and their bodies. And yeah, so thank you so much for that. Well, it's a pleasure to work with you because uh, you guys are one of the best, <laughs> that's for sure. Thanks.